I'm glad you're here. We've been looking at these feasts, and so if it's your first time, let me try to bring you up to speed just a little bit because um, it's easy to get lost, and I'll tell you why we're doing the feasts. In the Old Testament, God, when he delivered the um, Israelites out of Egypt, and he forms this nation, and he gives them this promised land, he said, I want to do some things so you remember what, um, what's happened to you. And so he set up basically some holidays. And Americans, we have holidays. We have, you know, Memorial Day and Labor Day and Fourth of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving. We have these. So it makes sense in that context. God established some holidays for them uh, to remember all that he had done. And so today we're going to talk about this holiday called the Feast of Weeks. Now, it only lasts a day, and there's a reason it's called the Feast of Weeks, and I'll try to explain it in a little bit. But let me intro it by saying, um, last week we talked about a feast, and what they did was they, they brought the first and the best of what they had in the barley crop. It's called the Feast of First Fruits. And they'd bring the best and the first, and they would offer it to God. And so, uh, let, let's, uh, let me tell you a story. Um, I love to go to the Restore store. It's my favorite store. Elise goes with me a lot of times, my daughter. And we look and we find stuff that are, are great and, and little, little prizes and, and things that, you know, people will change out a window and they'll bring their old window and they'll sell it. And, and I just love that. I love looking at that kind of stuff that we can do renovations with. So I love those things. Uh, when I have donations to take, I take them to Miracle Hill. Now, there are other places, Salvation Army and, and Goodwill, but we go to Miracle Hill just because I like what they do uh, as a ministry and I want to support them. And so the other day I was asking them, I always ask them, you know, is this okay? I mean, is it okay if I give this? Or if it's not good enough, I'll take it home throw it away. Uh, it, you kind of have a question about things. And evidently, not everybody does that because I said, do you ever get anything that's not really good because I just read an article and there's something called let me get the word right it's called wish cycling and that is when you give somebody something like to a donation like that to a, a thrift store when you give it hoping somebody else can use your junk basically it's like it's junk to me but I hope I wish somebody can use it so I said do you ever get any of that and they said well yeah sometimes we'll get tables like four-legged tables with three legs and I'm like, well, okay, but you can replace the legs. That's not too bad. Then they told me some others. These aren't as good. Um, they got a full bag of Barbie dolls without the heads on them. <laughs> that seems creepy. Uh, a used sponge. It's a little, a little cringy. Um, uh, a set of false teeth. Uh, in the same uh, vein, um, used toothbrushes. They say they really can't use those. Now this one, I thought, this is not a large box of shoes. One shoe uh, per set. So a large box of one shoe. And so that didn't help them. And then my very favorite one, uh, they got an urn uh, with somebody's ashes. Uh, and so uh, like if you don't have any dead people at your house, you can have some. And you can put it on the, put it on the mantle if you want to. All right, so um, we're going to talk about the Feast of Weeks. And there's a little math involved, and just don't let that throw you. If you're math challenged, then uh, it's okay. We'll, we're going to kind of blow by it just a little bit. But the Feast of First Fruits happened 50 days before this feast. The Feast of First Fruits, the barley is the uh, grain that came in first, kind of uh, the one that uh, ripened first. So that was the Feast of First Fruits was about barley. 
This is 50 days later. Uh, again, if your math challenge is about two months later. And they're celebrating the first fruits of the wheat harvest. It takes a little longer to develop. It was later in the year and that sort of thing. And so the, the text goes like this. And we find all of these, God prescribes these celebrations, all of them in Leviticus 23. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, that is the feast of first fruits that we just talked about. Count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. A lot of math. It's 50 days later. That's all you need to know. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord from wherever you live. Bring two loaves made of uh, two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour. An ephah is just a measurement like a cup or something like that. Baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Now, this is a really interesting sort of feast. Let's talk about it just for, uh, for a second. The first thing you need to know is it's uh, first fruits of the wheat offering. So, uh, if you notice there, they were baking bread. And it said, bake bread with fine flour and with yeast. Now, um, in, in Jewish life, a lot of times they would do bread without yeast, called unleavened bread, because... Even the way Jesus taught sometimes, yeast sort of was symbolic of sin. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, yeast gets into the dough, and then it spreads. It doesn't take very much, and it spreads. And so it's sort of symbolic of sin. Can you get it in your life? And it doesn't take much for it to spread. And so it was interesting. A lot of times when the offerings are made, they're made without yeast. But this is made with yeast. And I, I read some articles about it, and what does that mean? And it's really kind of interesting. It's made with fine flour and yeast. And if you think about your life, if you're a follower of, of the Lord, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have, we have Christ in our lives, but we also have a little sin nature left over. I don't know if you all ever experience your sin natures, but I do occasionally. Uh, probably the time most for me is when I'm driving. Uh, I see my sin nature. Uh, my favorite time is when I'm driving pretty much the speed limit, maybe a little over, not too much over, and somebody comes up on me hard from behind, and they follow me really closely. Anybody ever have that experience? Uh, tailgating, but not the good kind? Okay, um, so my, my sin nature speaks to me, and my sin nature says, <laughs> you should slow down. Uh, and so... Uh, if the speed limit is 45, I, I say to myself, I should go 43, uh, just so, because deep inside I'm a teacher, and I want to teach this guy a lesson, right? So uh, that, that's, that's what we do. So it doesn't take much for me to know, uh, I do still have this sort of a sin nature, and so part of what this... Um, this feast was. Uh, we offer the first fruits, but also we understand we're not quite there yet, and so that's good. Sort of a second thing is, it's a time to wait and pray, and if you're a farmer, and I don't know that we have a ton of farmers here, but um, if you're a farmer, you plant a seed or a seedling or something, and you hope that it grows to maturity where you can reap a harvest. There's a process involved. <laughs> so you well, you plant a seed, and then it has to germinate, and then it has to grow, and there needs to be the right amount of water, and there needs to be, because too much water isn't good either. So it needs the proper amount of water. If it's too little, it won't grow. If it's too much, it won't grow. I mean, it won't grow right. And so it needs the right amount of water. It needs the right amount of sunshine. It needs the right amount of fertilization. And so farming, I've always thought if I was a farmer, I would be a great prayer because there's a lot that you just can't control. 
can't really control the, the weather, and you can't control hail, and you can't control stuff. And so you would spend a lot of time in prayer. And so this feast was about, a lot about praying. And so they would, they would have the Feast of Barley, and that would be exciting, but they know, man, the big feast is coming in 50 days. And for 50 days they would, they would pray. And they would do something called the counting of the omer, which is really an interesting. An omer is a, is a measurement, and it was a measurement of the wheat. So they would count off the days until the 50th day. And they would say, today is the first day of the omer. And the second day, the second day of the Omer. And if you have kids and if you have you know, a, a child in your life and, and it's almost their birthday, they'll say, oh, it's only two months until my birthday or uh, I'm, I'm you know, six and a half. You know, they're looking forward to the day. And so that's what the Jewish people would do. Today is the first day of the Omer. Today is the tenth day of the Omer. And they would kind of count those days off in anticipation. Something else. Now, what God has seemed to do is He stacks important events on certain days. So, Passover was the very first celebration we talked about a few weeks ago. Well, Passover happened, that also is the very day that Jesus was crucified. And so there's like a stacking of important events that happen on certain days. Passover was one. Um, The Day of Atonement was one. And so this was also one. This day, this Feast of Weeks, this day of celebration, was also when God gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. I mean, think about two really important things. I'm, I'm going to celebrate that there's a wheat harvest, and I'm going to celebrate that God has given us the law. And they looked at that like it was the Fourth of July for us. It was sort of a national holiday. Now, how did they get to... Uh, probably happened on, on this day. How did it happen on the, the, that, that particular day? Well, I'll show you. Let me show you the, the text. A, a little more math. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do much more math, but this is a little bit more math, I promise. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, so they had just gotten out of Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert in Sinai, and after they set out from Raphadim, uh, uh, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Let's do math, okay? They exited Egypt on the 14th day of the first month. So if there's 30 days, that's 16 days, right? There's 16 days left in the month. And then there's a whole complete month in between then and this text. So that 16 plus 30 is... 46, you're killing it. Way to go. Okay, 46. And then right after this, there's three days of um, sort of separation. They're supposed to really uh, kind of pray and, and, and fast and that sort of thing. So 46 plus 3, 49. And then God gives the law on the 50th day. And it makes sense that on that day, they are celebrating the giving of the law, the becoming of a nation. Now, the Bible talks about those things. But let me talk about a couple other things. There's, um, there's some extra-biblical texts. That means they're not in the Bible, but they're around the Bible. And the Jews would write down things from the Old Testament that they thought or that they had experienced. Now, a couple of things that are really interesting here is they believe that when God gave the law, He gave it in 70 different languages. <laughs> You're going, well, how did they get that? Uh, when Noah... Um, exited the ark, and he had children and, and, a, and, and a lineage. Uh, at one point in that story, they talk about his 70 descendants. 
And the Jews believed those were 70 different peoples, and they had 70 different languages. And the idea was, when God gave the law to the Jews, it was for everybody. They were the caretakers of the blessing. Have you ever been a caretaker of a blessing? When, when I was a kid, my grandmother would, would give us money, and uh, or she, she'd like sl- slide me a dollar, and she'd say, now that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Well, it's a dollar. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and there's three of us, you know. Or she'd give me two dollars. That's for everybody. Well, I've got two sisters, so you know what that's for everybody meant? That meant that was for me. Uh, so, but to be a caretaker of the blessing, that's what the Jews were thinking. Okay, uh, God has given the law to us, but it is for everybody. It's for everybody. Now, John the Baptist plays in this story, too. John the Baptist is really integral in the life of Jesus, if you look at it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, he said, about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was about the the Feast of Passover. And then last week, he said, uh, Jesus, uh, there's someone coming, the Messiah is coming, and he has a winnowing fork, and he's going to separate the chaff from the wheat. And that was about the Feast of Firstfruits. Well, then he says this, and this is a Feast of Weeks sort of text. I baptize with water, but one is more powerful than I will come. And the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What the Jews taught about when the law was given is this. And we're going to see the language in just a minute. Moses goes on the mountain. And then the mountain is covered in smoke and fire and sound. And they believed that when God gave Moses the law, the the law came sort of rain, there was fire that rained off of the mountain, and it hovered above each one of the Jews individually. It kind of hovered there above them. It's really interesting kind of language that they used. So they saw this giving of the law as this magnificent event. Well, John says, hey, there's someone coming. He's the Messiah, and he's going to baptize you, not with water, but with the Spirit and with fire. And that's what he's talking about. That, that, that back, remember back when the law was given, there was fire involved. Well, here there's going to be fire involved as well. And so Jesus put it this way. This uh, Feast of Weeks is also about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. An advocate, you know what that is. That's somebody to take your case, to be for you, to kind of speak on your behalf, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. You know Him because He lives with you. And later, He'll live in you. And this great, great, great promise. And so, Jesus is resurrected. And for 40 days, He walks on the earth. In fact, we know it from this text. Uh, After Jesus' suffering, He presented Himself to them and He gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. Now, time out just for a second. Jesus' disciples didn't know what to think of him when he rose from the grave. Jesus was raised into a glorified, resurrected body, and they had never experienced that. So they didn't know what to think. They believed in spirits, believed in the spirit world. They thought maybe Jesus was a spirit. And so what you'll see with Jesus is he does certain things. He says certain things to prove to them that he's not just a spirit. And so to Thomas, Thomas was a doubter. He said, Thomas, touch my hands and stick your hand in my side where I was crucified. See that it's me. You know, touch me. 
And then it says that he ate with them, which I love this about our glorified bodies. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if you didn't get to eat. And so, you know, uh, there's some food involved, and he was eating. And so he says he gave him proof, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, I love that part, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Now, the, the gift is the Holy Spirit. He promised the Holy Spirit. So this whole feast, this whole feast of weeks is about waiting. You waited from the first, fee, you know, first fruits, that was about barley. Now you're waiting 50 days to the feast of weeks. It's about waiting. And Jesus says, hey, uh, something good is coming, but you've got to wait. Now, what's really interesting, when God sets these feasts up, He designates three of them as, they're called pilgrim feasts. And that means every adult Jewish man who was capable and able would come to Jerusalem for these feasts. Passover was one. Day of Atonement was coming up later in the year. This was one of those. The Feast of Weeks. What's really interesting. There would be Jews there. There would be Gentiles there. Some Gentiles who aren't Jewish wanted to know about God. They're called God-fearers. They're called sometimes proselytes. And they wanted to know. So in Jerusalem during this feast, there would, have been, there would have been Jewish people from around Jerusalem, but also there would have been people from North Africa, there may be people from Europe, uh, from all the Middle East. And so Jerusalem would swell with people who spoke different languages, really important, so they could celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And then they would read the Scriptures. And they would read stuff like this. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north wind, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. And in Ezekiel again, then the Spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hands. And they would tell these... Uh, these verses, and then they would read about the giving of the law. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. You see, there's this theme, right? When God is present, big things happen. His glory is magnificent, right? Uh, lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire and the smoke billowed from, uh, from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled. And what you see is when God is present, you see these, these things happen. Fire and wind and sound. And again, there's this stacking. So this is the Feast of Weeks and it's the time that God gave the law. And then it was the time that God gave the Holy Spirit. Look at the language. It's the same kind of language. When the day of the Pentecost, the Pentecost, that means, that's the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost, it's the a, it's a same thing, different name. Penta means five, so it's, it means 50, Pentecost. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place, all the Christians. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a, loud, of a violent wind came 
from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire. Have you seen that before? Yes. They separated and came to rest on each of them. So we saw that in the extra biblical stuff. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. We see all of this in their history. And so when this happened, the Jews would go, Oh, we've heard of this before. The first Pentecost was the beginning of the Jewish nation. The second Pentecost was the beginning of the Christian church. Both of them had these big beginnings. One more parallel. It's really interesting. You may recall that when Moses went on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he was gone 40 days, and the Jews are down at the camp at the base of the mountain, and they're looking up, and they see all this going on, and they're afraid. And so they approach Moses' brother, a guy named Aaron, and they said, Aaron, fashion for us an idol. We want a God we can see because that God scares us. And so he did. And you know the story. He fashions this golden calf, but it was more than just an idol. They were doing, they were having this wild party. And it would have included uh, sexual immorality, orgies. And from what I can tell from the Hebrew Scriptures, um, they had um, Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss were in concert because uh, they're that old. And uh, uh, they were selling fried Oreos. I mean, just everything bad. Everything bad was happening down there. That's funny. I don't care who you are. I mean, uh, Ozzy Osbourne is that old. Anyway, and, and, and Moses... <laughs> Moses hears about this from God. Now, now look, at what, look at what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. And then I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation. God's intention, or at least His idea, was to just wipe them out. Think, think about if you're God. All right, think, uh, let's go with this. If you're a parent and you do something great for your kids and they're unappreciative, how do you feel? I mean, you know how you feel. You feel unappreciated. You feel like, why did I even do that? So God, He initiates these ten plagues, which are amazing. He delivers the people out of Egypt he parts the Red Sea. He destroys the enemies. He gives them, a pro or at least he promises that he's taking them to a promised land. He's going to give them the law. And their payment for, them, uh, for him is they make a golden calf and they have an orgy. And Moses, this is amazing. He talks God out of it. God, don't do that. I'll, I'll, let me show you a verse because this this means a lot. This one means a lot to me. Christ is the one who died, and more than that, was raised. He is at the right hand of God, and He in, indeed intercedes for us. <laughs> if you are a follower of Christ, you have somebody interceding for you. His name is Jesus. I don't know about your life, but I need somebody who is my advocate. I'm happy that it's Jesus. And where God might be frustrated with me, Jesus is like, Lord, come on now. It's okay. And I know Jesus is Southern, so I know that's what He says. Come on now. Come on now. 
because he would have to be. I mean, really, if you think about it. And I, I love that about him. So Moses takes up for the Israelites, and he says, God, you can't do this. And then Moses goes down, and he sees what's going on. He confronts his brother Aaron, and he, he literally says, bro, what are you doing? It's in the Hebrew. Uh, bro, what are you doing? Now, the, the, the worst excuse of all time was when Adam, when Adam ate the fruit and he said, God, the woman you gave me you know, kind of caused me. That's the worst excuse. This is the second worst excuse. Aaron says to Moses, dude, they gave me their gold. I threw it in the fire. Out came a calf. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's kind of, I mean, that's the stupidest. And I, you, can you just, I've, I, I imagine Moses rolling his eyes and going, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And God's anger subsided, but it did not, it was not quenched completely. And 3,000 people were killed that day for that sin. 3,000. It's a, a horrible day. All right, so you know that story. That's the Old Testament. That's the giving of the law. Same day, same date, I should say. Same event, same festival. The giving of the Holy Spirit happens. And then there's a guy named Simon Peter. That's Jesus' follower. And he begins to preach in Jerusalem to all these people who are gathered there because it's a pilgrim feast. And he preaches. And when the people heard this sermon, uh, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, well, what do we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit like we have, is kind of what he's implying. And the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord God will call. And then the very next verse, super cool. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. These parallels uh, in, in Scripture are amazing. The law was given to give us guidance. The Spirit was given to give us life. Really different. I can obey the rules, but in my heart disobey the rules. That's really not what we're talking about here. I, I read this really interesting article about this guy who got his Amazon truck stuck. That is a golf path. His excuse was, he said, well, the GPS told me, you know, I was just following the GPS. Well, okay. So not all directions are good, okay? That's the point. Not all directions are good. And sometimes you can follow the directions and you still get stuck. So the Spirit was given to enlighten us as to what God really wants. All right, so let's talk about this. We're going to look at what Pentecost people do. Not Pentecostal people, that's a denomination. And in Kentucky, they handle snakes. So that's not what we're going to talk about today. But Pentecost people, what do they do? People who believe that the Spirit has been given to them. How do we live in the Spirit? A couple things. We wait. We live in a world where we don't have to wait very long for very many things. But people who are guided by the Spirit have a tendency to know how to wait and to pray and to lead and let the Spirit lead. In Ephesians it says, when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. You've been given this so that you can know how to wait. They waited to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you a couple of verses. In James it says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. The farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn uh, in spring rains, you too be patient and stand firm. And in Ruth, you know what's really interesting? 
during the Feast of Weeks, they would read the story of Ruth. If you've never read it, it's really good. It's not very long. It's in the Bible. There's a book called Ruth. You can find it. It's in the index. Uh, Ruth, about four chapters long. And it's a story of tragedy and then God's redemption. And the heroine is named Ruth. I know you might have been able to figure that out. And she has a mother-in-law named Naomi. And there's a guy named Boaz, which is super cool. If you have a son, you might want to think about that. Uh, And Boaz, he's going to come in and he wants to marry Ruth, but there are some legal obligations and somebody else is in line in front of him. And so Naomi says to Ruth, wait. And sometimes you have to wait. And so Pentecost people, we we wait. You, You might have to... Uh, pray and wait about taking that job. Uh, we should probably pray and wait uh, before we fire off an angry text or an email or a post. We wait and we pray before we make huge purchases. We, we wait for important things and pray about them. We don't have to make snap decisions. The second thing is this. We live in community. Now, I'm an introvert, and that's a little harder for us. But what's really interesting is all these things happen in community. Uh, uh, Now, in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who made the two groups one. The Jews and the Gentiles He made to be one. As Americans, we sort of tend to think individualistically. Well, here He's talking about we, as Christians, we help one another. And what that means is when you come to church, you don't come empty-handed. I'm going to show you a verse. Don't think this is just about finances, okay? I don't, sometimes, you know, like when we talk about finances, people turn you off. Let me show you the verse, and then I'll explain. Okay, I promise. It'll be okay. Uh, he talks about counting off the seven weeks, and he says, that the, then, the cel- then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessing God has given you. When we come to church just to receive, we become consumers. When we come to church with a heart willing to give, then we become Pentecost people. We become people filled with the Holy Spirit. It can be an undistracted heart. Today I'm going I'm to worship and I'm not going to be looking at my phone and I'm not going to be distracted. It could be I'm going I'm to do something around here. I'm going to serve in children's ministry or I'm going to help be a greeter or something like that. Uh, you can you know, get, offer a word of encouragement. I don't know anybody that can't use some encouragement. You can offer a prayer for someone. I, when I got to church today, one of my friends, he was in ministry, he's out of ministry now. It's kind of a tragic little story. And he, he texted me and he said, you know, he's struggling to know uh, where to work and what to do. And he said, will you pray for me? And I prayed for him right then because I'm going to tell you the truth. In this room, there are people who, they might open up their hearts to you and you pray for them. Have you ever prayed for the pastor while he's preaching? I had a lady one time, uh, she, she came up to me after the service and she said, Pastor, I could tell you were struggling. So I just stopped listening and I started praying. I was a little rude because I thought I'd killed it that day. You know, I was like... And then to make it worse, it was my mother. Uh, but uh, uh, we have to come to church with a heart that's willing to give. It's not just finances. We can give a kindness and an encouraging word, and we can be the people that God called us to be. And one last thing, Pentecost people count the omer. We anticipate that Jesus is coming back. 
Remember they counted the Omer? Today is the first day of the Omer. Today is the second day of the Omer. And I got a buddy named Jesse. He's sitting right there. Jesse, he counts down the days to his birthday. He lets you know about it. He count the Omer for Jesse's birthday. And it's exciting. And when birthday happens, that was only about two weeks ago, it is a big deal. Because we've all been thinking about it. We've been anticipating it. We can't hardly wait. We can't hardly wait because we want him to not stop talking about it. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it is counting the Omer. Well, we who are followers of Christ, we, we count the Omer. Now, remember, remember, uh, between the first fruits harvest and the, the Feast of Weeks, that 50 days, it was sort of uncertain. You didn't know what your harvest was going to be like, so you really prayed. And we live in a world where it's a little uncertain, right? Things We don't exactly know how things are going to turn out. And so we can really pray. And what's really interesting to me is Jesus rose from the dead. He showed himself to his disciples. And they still were, they were a little uncertain. Let me show you. The 11 disciples, these are Jesus' closest followers, not fringe people. They went to Galilee, that's a, a, a region, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But look, how could you doubt? <laughs> and, and they still didn't get it. Look, look what they say in, in Acts. And so they all came together. And they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time? Are you about to re restore the kingdom? They still didn't get it. Jesus wasn't going to restore the kingdom right away. They, they just didn't get it. And then the Holy Spirit came, and they began to get it. Oh, this is different. We, we can live differently because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Let me show you one last verse, a couple of verses. A, per, a person will harvest what they plant. You reap what you sow. Those who plant only for their own selfish benefit will harvest devastation from their selfishness. You can be selfish and only live for yourself. It's possible. You, you, you will reap a negative harvest, but God gives you the freedom to do that. But then it says, but those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. So then he says, okay, well, this is what it looks like. To live in the Spirit means don't get tired of helping others. You'll be rewarded when the time is right if you don't give up. That's the Feast of Weeks. We anticipate Jesus is coming back. We'll receive a reward. This is going to happen. Let's pray. Father, we live in a kind of a wacky world and we know that sometimes things aren't what we would hope they would be. But even so, Lord, we know that you absolutely love us and that you care for us. And we know that you're in control. And we're counting down the days until you come back. Until you restore things to how they're supposed to be. Keep us until then, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.